to all of you Hearts Rise Up podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of this podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host for this episode. On this podcast, we share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guests that we bring on our show. Our purpose is to inspire you to rise up to your best and greatest self, tap into your own inner wisdom, and elevate your state of being, your life, and the world around you. It's that simple. So let's get right into today's episode. I want to introduce my featured guest today. I am so excited to have Jazz Huthy on the show. Jazz is a multi-passionate blogger, writer, and entrepreneur. After dropping out of university, he previously worked in sales before leaving the city in 2015 to study a master's in positive psychology, and he hasn't worked in an office since. Alongside his master's, he started his first entrepreneurial venture, Thriva, in 2016, an alternative higher education program for 18 to 24-year-olds. He's also run various blogs for introverts, including his latest introvert blog, infclub.co, for INFP and INFJ personality types, many of whom identify as highly sensitive introverts, a.k.a. HSPs. Jazz is currently learning about investing and trading and is also publishing his first novel this year. Jazz also writes poetry from time to time and journals daily. And he's been fortunate to visit five continents, though he calls Southwest London, England home. I am so delighted to have Jazz on the show today, and uh, he and I have um, a few things in common, and also not only is he a multi-passionate blogger, but he's also what I refer to as a multi-potentialite. He has so many varied interests. Jazz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. Yeah, I've been um, looking forward to this ever since you, you were kind enough to invite me, so it's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to to have you with us. And so with that, uh, as a starter, share a little bit more about yourself and then we'll find a jumping in point. Sure. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's um, I think that, yeah, I, I've got a whole bunch of interests and I think that that can be a good thing and sometimes a not so good thing when you're trying to focus. But I try and lean into it being a good thing. Um, it's funny. I was actually on a call with a friend before this to uh uh, now and then I kind of have to reflect on what I'm focusing on just because I have got so many interests. Uh, so I had kind of had like a, a strategy focus session before we recorded this uh, interview with a friend of mine, actually a mutual friend of mine, Jay, who we've both spoken to. Yeah, just just a bunch of interests. And I think for me, really, um, uh, yeah, oh gosh, it, I, I've almost uh, done more things than I knew I had done with you reading out that that uh, that bio at the beginning but I think especially in the last four years since 2015 a a big turning point for me was leaving the city um for someone who uh, is an introvert but I think in particular um a sensitive introvert I, I identify as being a highly sensitive person and long days in sales in the city for me were so exhausting and overwhelming and it's only since I kind of broke away from that that I've kind of been able to recalibrate um, figure out more about myself and get in touch with 
parts of myself and some of my interests, um, which I just didn't have the time and space um, or in a way awareness for because I was so exhausted. I can so relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there in the in the corporate world and just so much energy, so much happening, so much going on that, you know, it can be a bit overwhelming for introverts. Right. Um, yeah, introverts and, and, and especially um, I, I discovering I was an introvert was a really powerful realization for me, as it was for many people. And in the last few years, we've enjoyed a bit of a kind of an introvert uprising with Susan Kane and the talk. But I feel uh, now that this highly sensitive movement feels like it's got some energy in it. And, um, you know, you mentioned the corporate world, cities. There's something about that, you know, busy, uh, frenetic life of cities, of working for corporates, that is just really difficult for sensitive people to, to manage. Not impossible, but it's difficult to manage. And I kind of feel like there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a movement and a bit of a, like an awakening happening where um, we're kind of realizing that's the case and trying to do something about it. Exactly. When did you first notice that you were highly sensitive? That's a great question. Um, oh, gosh. I think, I guess, always I've, I've, I've known that I'm... Um, a little bit in quotation marks different. And then when I uh, discovered I was an introvert around 2014, 2015, I think I thought, Oh, that was it. But actually my high sensitivity, it was whilst I was reading all the, the, the introvert books, I, I stumbled across this whole highly sensitive thing through um, Dr. Elaine Aaron, who's like the authority on the subjects. And I read her book and like, that was like, Oh gosh, I'm not just an introvert. I'm a sensitive introvert. So I would I would guess that that would have been around maybe maybe 2016, the back end of 2015 or 2016 at some point. There was just a whole that whole period. I was doing a whole lot of um, reading books, listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. re, uh, reading blogs, just trying to kind of soak up everything I could about introversion. And it was that kind of delving into the world of introversion and kind of the world of uh, Myers-Briggs, which I'm, uh, yeah, I've also kind of lent into, um, I'm an INFP, that I, I, I stumbled across that. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just a few months after I discovered I was an introvert. Can you describe for our listeners, some may not be familiar with these terms, you know, being highly sensitive. And I think we all know introversion and extroversion, but not, we don't all, I don't think everyone really totally understands the difference between the two because one is not better than the other it's just different in terms of how we experience the world and how we get our energy at, at least for introvert introverts and and extroverts absolutely yeah um so high sensitivity and that's a great question i think it can manifest in different ways but uh, i'll 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 give you an example of the ways it manifests for me. Um, I, I, I love socializing with friends like I did last night. However, I have to be careful as to how much I do that because I know I'll pay for it the next day. And I used to think that that was just an introvert thing. And to an extent it is. But actually being highly sensitive, we, we, we kind of feel it a lot more. Another example listening to a song, watching a film, um, we can kind of feel the arts more deeply than the average person. 
Um, my mum's highly sensitive and she avoids horror films because it really creates quite a, mm-hmm. she doesn't just get scared. It creates quite a visceral reaction in her, which she doesn't find pleasant. I can, re- I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like horror films. Absolutely. I avoid them like the plague. Yeah. And um, I, d- I wonder if you can relate to this. Any, anything, you know, in a film, any like poignant moments or upsetting moments, she quite readily will uh, let the tears flow. Like she'll really feel what the character in the movie is going through. And again, it, there's not there's not absolute rules. And um, I, I'd encourage anyone who thinks they might be highly sensitive or wants to know more about this to go to hsperson.com. hsperson.com. That's it. Yeah, because it, there's a little test there. Doc, Dr. Elaine Aaron, who's highly sensitive herself, and she's done lo- like lots of scientific research around this. She described, I think, yeah, yeah, you, there's basically a, a self-test you can do. And it's everything from some of the things, you know, I've kind of mentioned through to when you were a child, were you seen as sensitive or shy? Did you make a point of avoiding violent movies and shows? Are you sensitive to bright lights or smells or, and again, yeah, just some of these things, which I just, again, I kind of knew they were there, but it wasn't until I saw these questions that, and I did this test that I realized, oh my gosh. And as soon as, as soon as I came out the test as highly sensitive, um, it's been a process since then of kind of realizing and acknowledging and kind of leaning into that sensitivity more like I, I i notice and i'm a lot more in tune with the sensitivity now that i've been given the the diagnosis if you like for want of a better word yes it's interesting that you say that because i never thought of myself as a highly sensitive until recent years and i've always but but i never realized i i always have had a sensitivity to light and I've had a sensitivity to loud noises and loud music. Mm-hmm. I can't, I just, you know, I can't be around loud, loud music. Um, horror films, um, I don't like. I, I feel others' emotions and pain. But I wouldn't necessarily say I'm extremely highly sensitive. But those are the things that I've noticed about myself. Yeah, and I, I, I can't even believe I missed out that last one. That's a huge one. Empathy. and feeling others, uh, joys, sorrows, pains, and just somehow, without being able to logically describe it, just having a, an understanding there. And it's interesting you say you didn't realize you were highly sensitive or, you know, some people say particularly sensitive. Because I guess what happens is we become used to our own realities. So because it becomes a norm for us from when we're children, we don't realize that we are sensitive. We just think, oh, this 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 is it this is what it must be like for everyone whereas actually no no that's that's not the case i love the way you phrase that we come used to our own realities that's so true because we don't we don't always recognize that there's there's of really what is happening until it's brought to our attention basically absolutely yeah that's really nicely put yeah so this is um this is a really interesting topic because I uh, I wanted to one thing I want to touch on is I know you've done some research recently on INFPs and a, um, a particular group that you've been in. You did a research study, which was a really kind of interesting results that came through that. Do you want to share that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's funny. I, I'm just really curious about. I guess these topics, introversion, high sensitivity, and I'm just really curious about 
trends. That's probably the, you know, the intuitive in me. I just like feeling out trends and noticing patterns and this sort of thing. Uh, there's a there's a group on on Facebook called Highly Sensitive Refuge, and there's a it's the Facebook group for the blog. So there's a couple of great blogs which um, are both run by a lady called Jen Granman. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them's Introvert Deer, and the other one's Highly Sensitive Refuge. And I've had uh, I had a hunch that um, a lot of INFJs and INFPs, and I guess intuitives who have that NF bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about Myers-Briggs types for, for those that are wondering what all these four-letter acronyms are. I, I had a, a feeling that a lot of us would be highly, were highly sensitive and, and, and all at least more sensitive than average, you know, sensitive people. So I posed a question in this group, in this highly sensitive group, highly sensitive refuge, and I just said, um, curious to know what, what everyone's Myers-Briggs types are. Oh, my gosh. Just the, the the responses came flooding in. I think there were. Um, I, I just saw there were there were. I saw the trends there, and then I thought, oh my gosh, I should have done a, a chart. So I ended up creating a couple of posts and I collated them. I think I had about. Um, I want to say four hundred and fifty wow. results. That's pretty good. Which which isn't isn't bad. It's. I think yeah. Like I say, it's a. Uh, uh, it's quite an engaged group, and Myers Briggs. I think a lot of people are into that, and you know know what that type they are. I like to share. And, oh, it was incredible. I think there were, um, what was it, four in five were either INFPs or INFJs. And not only is that remarkable because those are just two types out of the 16 types, but they're also meant to be a couple of the rarest types. They say that INFJs are the rarest types. And just to see us represented, us INF types, in such large numbers, I mean, I I thought there'd be a few of us, but I, I wasn't aware just how many of us there would be so that was really and really really uh yeah I, I, I was i was blown away yeah i was i was quite surprised at your results as well because i'm an infp as well and so you and i kind of share the same four letters we know exactly what that what uh what we've had to deal with in life and it is interesting because you find that there are many more people that are are ease you know, ENTJs and ESTJs and whatnot. And um, it, there's a lot to be said for the INFPs. And I, I never thought that there would be that as, as many. And those are, they're highly sensitive as well. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I was just amazed at just how many of, 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 of those, how many of those there were. I must say, obviously, it's important to note that this wasn't a scientific test because even though it's likely, there's nothing to say that all of those people who answered were highly sensitive. They might have a spouse or a friend, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's also things like are INFPs or INFJs just more likely to hang out in Facebook groups, for example. So, so it's not scientific as such, but, um, I mean, the results were still pretty, pretty compelling. So, uh, I found it super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, um, being an INFP yourself, and I know a lot of the, the challenges that I've had, uh, you know, over the years, but I think it would be pretty interesting for you to share, you know, a, a story or two around when you first became more aware of your sensitivities and your your introversion, um, if there were particular challenges associated with that in, you know, just mainstream life as you were growing up. Sure. I think... Um... Yeah, it's a great question. And I always I struggle a little bit because because I don't really have any standout moments as such more. It's more that just 
I, I, I immediately think back to like my teen years when I just felt really different. Like I was, uh, I was into different stuff. I guess I was quite, um, artistic and creative and that's not necessarily a highly sensitive thing, but I know a lot of us do quite like to have a creative outlet of some kind. Mm-hmm. I really loved like animated stuff and cartoons. I loved stories. I think I just loved, I really enjoyed stuff that my soul connected with. And I think cause I'm a sensitive person. That's why I, I sought out those things. I'm almost glad that I wasn't aware of my introversion slash sensitivity for most of my time in the city. Cause I think had I have known that, well, I guess I, you know, it, everything is what it is, but I, I think if I'd have been in that environment, knowing I was sensitive and being so aware of it, I would have been like, Oh my goodness. I'd, whereas I think I just kind of, cause my head was buried in the sand. I just got on with it and was able to cope in that way. But Oh no, there were absolutely challenges of being um, a sensitive introvert in an open plan office in a sales role. Um, and now looking back, it was just, um, I was just, it was, it was exhausting. And I think this is another trait I feel of, of, of highly sense of, of high, highly sensitives, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or wherever you are on that scale, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you don't enjoy and find kind of conversations nourishing, whether that's in, you know, with friends, family, colleagues, clients, whoever it might be. But I almost felt like, uh, I almost get like a buzzy high when I speak to people. Like, again, it's, I think it's something about the energy there that I absorb and what have you. And I think I constantly had this like buzzy high <laughs> from start to finish of my day. And that might go, um, that might explain why I was so tired at the end of each day. It might explain why at the end of each week, just inexplicably, I would just, you know, probably go out and have one too many drinks just to, uh, I don't know if that was a way of, Try to desensitize yourself. Maybe I think yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's your yeah. yeah. I was I was pl- I was looking for a word, and I think that's it. Yeah. And weekends were just a write off in in terms of um, just a lot of sleeping, a lot of lying in, n- not having a lot of energy to do stuff. I'd go to the gym. I I love and I still do. Like oh, just mm-hmm. sitting in the the sauna, the spa, like that heat on my body is just so nourishing. That the work that you were doing, you know, the sales role and and some of the other things just really weren't fulfilling you. When was this aha moment that you needed to get out of that? And what triggered it? And how did you muster the courage to make make some changes in your life? Sure. I, I always kind of knew recruitment wasn't it. And because I, I actually dropped out of university a couple of times. I came from quite like a, a good school, you know, good grades. And the expectations were always to go to university. And yet I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, you know, there was an element of you keep chopping and turning jazz. You kind of need to, you know, this, this is what my parents were telling me. And I kind of thought it myself. I was like, you know, I just need to stick out something. But I always felt recruitment wasn't it. I think the competition kept me in it for longer than I might have been in it otherwise. But um, I think there was just a growing sense throughout that time that it, I knew it wasn't it. And I think the aha moment, if you can call it, that happened when I'd had a really, quote unquote, good year um, in recruitment. It, it's, uh, I was lucky in that I, I worked for a small firm and it was a really nice environment to work in. So I knew that if I didn't want to do recruitment there, I wouldn't want to do it anywhere else. But I had lovely colleagues but I kind of did quite well in terms of what my billings, my earnings. It's, you know, how well, that's how you're kind of measured, if you like. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I shared the accolade of employee of the year oh, wow. at the Christmas party. And I just remember. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, great. And, you know, I've got this accolade. And, and I, I just, I can still picture it. Like everyone else around me is like, you know, like, like you do at a Christmas party, he's drinking, having a good time, enjoying the music. And I'm sat there thinking, I've just got employee of the year. I've just had a fantastic year. Why am I not? happier and then after that a couple of things happened that 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 kind of didn't really ever go that feeling and I think that's kind of when I really knew but a couple of things happened after that which confirmed it a that feeling didn't go away Mm -hmm. um b after um it's recruitment's all about pipeline you know the more people you got in interviews the more that could drop it's all a numbers game my pipeline went from being the biggest I could have had the biggest quarter ever in the following year to everything collapsing and like nothing coming through. And it was almost like that was one sign of me thinking, you know what, maybe the universe kind of is really trying to push me one way. And the second is I had a, we had a family holiday. We went to, um, I think it was a week we had in Barbados in February of that year. And this was when I kind of started doing headspace meditation. And I just remember like, um, once I was away from the, you know, the busyness, the hecticness, and I could just let things settle on the beach each day on holiday, um, kind of unwinding from work and that feeling just getting stronger and headspace. And it was almost like I was, I came back from that holiday knowing I need to make a change. I have to do it now. Like enough is enough. And that's when I started looking at other options and, Positive psychology was something that uh, I'd got, I'd grown increasingly interested in, um, and I ended up um, resigning from my job in, I think it was May, pretty much the day I had a, an offer to do this course. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you give to others who are kind of going through similar things? Because you know. I, I struggled with that for a number of years and I actually left uh, corporate and went out on my own to do some consulting. But then I, I went back into corporate and I was in it for a long time and I struggled with, I had trouble letting go. I knew it wasn't right for me, but I really had trouble letting go. How can you help others yeah learn to let go or if it's the right thing for them to do or know what to do? Oh, that That's a that's a great question. And you know what, we, we become so used to, even if it's not necessarily good for us, it's what we know. And so anything different is frightening. And I'll be honest, I was, I didn't know, even though, yes, I was doing this master's for you, I, I didn't know where, where I'd end up. I had no plan, you know, all these things which you're supposed to have and, you know, that others around you kind of encourage you to have, and it doesn't always serve as well. One thing that really helped me is, surrounding myself with it sounds cliched but surrounding myself with others who are like-minded and going through the same thing and I was really lucky in that in the city I stumbled across and this was in again the weeks and the months building up to me leaving my job and you know um, actually even before the whole Christmas party thing happened there's an organization called Escape the City and they'd meet right in the heart of London amongst all the banks and all the financial institutions and it'd be a bunch of mostly uh, management consultants and lawyers and just other city folks who really wanted to, um, mm-hmm. wanted something different. <laughs> like they didn't know what, but it was like, they were just, uh, 
unfulfilled in the in these in their in their city jobs. And I ended up um, doing a course with Escape the City. We met once a week, and you know there was a lot of kind of reflective stuff that kind of helps you uncover what you want to do. But the most powerful thing about that course was surrounding myself with like-minded others physically. And the great thing is, wherever you are in the world, you've got access to these these places. Escape the cities in London. Um, they also got a jobs board, and they do things. Uh, uh, jobs board, and they hire, they advertise jobs around the world. But as far as the whole career changes thing goes, there's another organisation which is very similar, which I think started just before Escape the City. It's called Live Your Legend. Mm, live your legend. Oh, I love that. Live your legend.net. And, um, oh my word, I remember coming across Live Your Legend and the founder and listening to his stuff. And I was just so, I so connected with that. And it, it felt like an important part of my journey with regards to moving me forwards because he so spoke to me in everything he was talking about in terms of feeling unfulfilled and putting up, making, because a lot of the, a lot of these feelings, are feelings and they don't feel tangible and there aren't necessarily answers there, but you figure them out. And, um, unfortunately Scott Dinsmore, who's the founder, he, he, he tragically passed away quite young whilst climbing Kilimanjaro. But I encourage, um, anyone who's kind of, uh, maybe not happy, uh, in, uh, in the job that they're doing to go, to watch his Ted talk. It's a, it's a Ted talk or a TEDx talk. Well, we'll look for it. And I think it's one of the most successful ones, like, ever. Um, it's really, really powerful. I can't remember what it's called, but it's Scott Dinsmore, and it's his TED Talk. Um, and like I say, it, it's a lonely, lonely journey, and, and, and doing it in some way, whether it's physically in person or even, you know, with the internet, it's amazing just how connected you can feel with communities online. Live Your Legend have an online community and there's probably others out there. So I would really encourage anyone to, uh, um, to perhaps explore, explore that because uh, that's what I did. And I'm not sure I would have taken the steps I did had it not been for Escape the City and Live Your Legend. That, that's um, um, an excellent way of putting it that, you know, that, that's really what people need is they need to surround themselves with, with people are, who are supportive, going through the same things, who have um, walked the path before. And, and it's great to hear also that Scott Dinsmore's community is continuing his work, um, which is great. It, it is, and it carries on. And um, Chelsea, um, Chelsea Dinsmore, um, uh, is now carrying on Scott's great work. She was also part, you know, she was also uh, involved when it, uh, uh, when Live Your Legend started and she continues to kind of move the baton forward and she's, she's doing a, a fabulous job. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to, um, to see her speak at World Domination Summit in, in Portland uh, a couple of years ago, um, which was really amazing. But yeah, just that whole surrounding yourself with like-minded others, it, it just... It, it changes your perception and your reality and, and your feeling of what's possible because all of a sudden you're no longer alone and um, the energy that the others around you carry with them, um, you can all use that to move forward on your own journeys. I think that's some great advice. And just for all of you listeners out there, we'll put in the show notes uh, references um, to the um, sites and the organizations that Jazz has, has mentioned here so that you can um, 
source them as well and uh, see if it's something that uh, will help you. Let's shift gears just a little bit um, and fast forward a bit now to where you are today. And one of the things that in your bio that um, really stood out is that you've been running uh, various blogs, basically, um, particularly in the INF kind of category. So why don't we talk a little bit about your current endeavors, what you're involved in right now, and what, what you hope to accomplish? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, around that time that I left the city, I just started um, documenting my thoughts, and I'd kind of discovered I was an introvert, and that was quite a meaningful realization for me to have. So I think I'm on my fourth or fifth blog for introverts initially, but yeah, so it's, and, and I guess even now to an extent, I kind of um, selfishly kind of write for myself because uh, writing is a really important outlet for me in terms of my self-expression. And I also write poetry and, and, I, and I, um, I write fiction and I journal every day. So I do a lot of writing, but um, yeah, I think the first form of writing that I that I, that I did really as an adult was blogging in, in 2015. And, um, I think what I like so much about it, apart from, I guess, the writing and sharing things that are important to me and kind of making realizations about myself along the way, as I write and keeping myself accountable is the like-minded people I've met along the way and who I've created opportunities connect who to connect with others just like me by putting my writing out there. And that's something I'm realizing more and more um, in terms of my why when it comes to writing and the blogs. And, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, we, we met Carol through, um, through Fizzle. And that's obviously for those who are with online, online business related endeavors. I'd like to think that at, at, at some point and may, well, yeah, maybe this will be, maybe this will be uh, um, something which uh, uh, makes some money, but, at the same time, I, I would almost be kind of okay if that wasn't the case, just because I get so much from it in terms of, you know, the self-expression and connecting with others. And actually just saying out that loud, just saying that out loud as, uh, is, yeah, made me realize that like I'd actually be, I'd actually be okay if it didn't become something business related. So yeah, that, that covers my, I guess the, the, the blogging side of things. And I, the current blog I cover is it's kind of slowly gone from introversion to more the sensitivity because the sensitivity element feels just kind of more, not that I like to define myself with labels, but I almost feel like I am who I am. My sensitivity is like a bigger factor in my life than my introversion. And you can relate to it so easily and you want to help others. Yes, this is it. And I feel so compelled to share my journey as I progress and, and to really, um, and uh, especially there's something about sensitive men. They don't seem to be, um, I mean, I know they exist because I am one and I've met others. There don't seem to be uh, as many of them. And I think, you know, that's different factors. I, I think they might be in the closet. <laughs> I, I don't think I could have put it better myself. And I think I probably was for a good while. And, and it took me it took me a time to kind of prize that door open and, and kind of gently tentatively come out of that closet. Well, exactly. Who wants to admit that they're highly sensitive? I mean, really, what kind of, you know, connotation does that have? Right. That, that, that is not that I was going to say that is not, not the coolest thing for, for dudes to have, you know, and especially, you know, in uh, generations gone, but like I say, that there's a bit of a shift 
I mean, I'm biased. However, I do, I, I do think, yeah, absolutely. Like my, my sensitivity with it, I think comes my, um, my creative expression and my artistic kind of stuff that I'm involved with. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't think I, I don't think I'd be the writer I am without my sensitivity. Um, I wouldn't be able to connect and relate to people. I wouldn't be able to derive joy from music I listen to and films I watch and all of these things. It's a case of acknowledging it and managing it in the right way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um, I think this is a great uh, conversation. We could probably go on and on and on. There's, but, and for all of you listeners out there, if you do have any inkling that you are highly sensitive, there is nothing wrong with it. Uh, in fact, I think it's a, a, it's a plus in today's world. And, you know, take advantage of it, right? Oh, absolutely. It is, um, there are such beautiful gifts that come with high sensitivity. Um, oh, yeah, I wouldn't, I, 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 I wouldn't change myself. There's one other, um, and that's good. Um, cause I wouldn't either. Um, even though I, you know, I've just kind of in recent years become more aware of my sensitivities and my empathy. One thing I wanted to ask you, you're, you're writing a book. Let's share a little bit about the book and what, what you hope to accomplish with, with the book. And do you have a title? Do you even have a working title yet? Yeah, I do. Um, the book's called what happened to Scott Andrews with a question mark at the end. I, I remember, yeah, it's funny, as a kid, I, I just enjoyed write, uh, creative writing. And then I think English got a little bit dull when we started doing old texts and talking about grammar and this sort of stuff and um, being, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, quotation marks, academic. Um, I was supposed to do, you know, the more kind of important, impressive subjects, the sciences and the maths. But I am, um, and yeah, I, I just, especially as I've gotten more in touch with my writing, I've had this like yearning to, and this was whilst I was in recruitment also, actually, to be fair, to write a story, uh, to write a novel, to write like a, a fiction novel. And I'm just like quite a whimsical person. And I, I start things and I don't finish them. And like I, I remember as a kid, like I, uh, when, however old I was, maybe I was just about in my teens or just before. Anyway, Toy Story 2 had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started writing a script for Toy Story 3. Really? Yeah, like a story with characters and everything. And I was, yeah, I was quite young. So, like, looking back, I think that was always there. Yeah, just nuance and, 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 and uh, writing things which make people feel and get into a story like I do when I read or watch stories. Every November, there's something called National Novel Writing Month where writers all around the world get together virtually and also in person. You've got meetups all around the globe. Like there's like a bunch of them in London and I even hosted my own last year. But I'd, uh, I think the first three occasions I'd tried and failed. Like I'd kind of went into November, I'd maybe lasted a few days or a week or two and then it just fizzled out. And um, I think what helped last November was that this is the first time I tried it when I didn't have um, an office job. And now I've not got an office job. I, I've got, yay, woohoo. Um, I'm not saying I wouldn't ever go back to an office, but I, um, it's unlikely, or at least uh, in like the traditional sense of like a nine to five, Monday to Friday job. But one of the great things for me as a sensitive introvert is my time and my energy. I can manage it and I've got space. And uh, especially what, you know, writing, creative writing, you need kind of time, you need space. 
And so I hosted a couple of my own meetups and I just, don't get me wrong, November the 1st, I didn't have an idea. I had no idea what I was going to write about. So I'm, uh, they call it, if you're in like the, um, the, the, the writing world, you're a planner or you're a pantser. And if you're a planner, you will logically plan out to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. If you're a pantser, you will literally just wing it and write by the seat of your pants. So you're a pantser? I am a pantser. And <laughs> I'm I, not surprised because yeah, you said right? earlier that, you know, you kind of, you're kind of whimsical. <laughs> I am whimsical. I do like that word as well. It makes me sound, I, when I think of the word whimsical, like just this like little like man, like pottering about and, you know, you drops his briefcase and all his papers fly out and he's like trying to it's just funny it's, it's just a funny word i really like using that I think word it's um i think it's interesting i think it's a positive i think whimsical to me is kind of like spontaneous and i think it yeah. really fits your personality and the fact that you have a lot of interests a lot of things spark your interest so it's yeah. you know you're pulled in different directions oh, right so, so what much. do you choose what do you focus all on all the time all the time i would deep dive and i would get obsessed and then i'd be like nah and move on but and ah and, oh. but one thing one thing i will say though you have been really focused on getting this book done because you're in the process of editing it now right yeah i am i mean and that's that's really kind of you to say um yeah, I finished the book and then I took a break from it and then I edited it and then I took it. And then, so the editing has been an on and off process. And another thing I've realized, and this is where um, resistance, resistance sets in because it's important to me. The closer you get to the end, the more resistance kind of yields its head. And I kind of feel that's what's happening. This coming November, I'm not just, well, the, the plan is to have the edit done because I actually want to get going on a second, a second draft of another completely different book. So, um, yeah, I'm about, um, feels like I've been saying this forever. I'm somewhere between the third and a half of the way through the edit. And I just need to, um, I just need to get it done. Yes, you do. What advice would you provide for others? Oh, um, for others. Yeah. Whether you're, whether you're whimsical or not whimsical, there's something about I think especially the, the first time you do anything, like the first, but it's quite a, it's quite a feat if I may say so myself. And I'm obviously not there quite yet, but um, national novel writing month. And again, I, we can share the link in the show notes. super amazing initiative. That's gathered pace, even in the last kind of five, 10 years, um, super supportive again, community, right? Just like with the whole com- career thing, community, you're all in it together. You're willing each other on, you're accountable to each other. You don't feel like, because uh, quite often, like I feel like I'm a bit of the black sheep of the family. Like, what's Jazz up to? It's like he's he's started another blog, has he? Or he's, <laughs> has he? Is, when is he going to get a proper job again? Or you know what I mean? Like, I just feel quite different. And um, in a similar way, I don't. Yeah, maybe it's an introvert thing. I can be quite guarded with even those really close to me. So it's quite nice to have this community of other writers who are all kind of working towards the same goal. And ultimately, without National Novel Writing Month, just like without Escape the City, I might not have, my journey might not have panned out like it did. I'm, I'd go so far as to say, I'm, I don't think I'd have written this first draft without National Novel Writing Month. I might never have, I might never have done it. Well, we'll put that in the, uh, definitely in the show notes, because that, uh, I think that's some great advice. Again, it's finding something that supports you. Yeah. And holds you accountable. Yeah. And I know right? you're aware of some of these challenges of writing a book, Carol, because I know you've written your own. Yes. 
Yes. And I had to basically just carve out two weekends a month and just just close myself away in a room and just, you know, write my heart out. And even if I didn't want to, I just had to do it. And that's how I did it. But, you know, it's different for everybody. Some people have to go on a retreat. Oh, man. So, yeah, this first draft, I mean, obviously, I I was, I was, I've just kind of said I'm winging it the whole way through. Um, Some of what was coming out just wasn't, but that's it. It was, um, and a friend of mine, Lauren, she's she's like an intuitive writing coach for like INF, for like, you know, sensitive, introverty type people. And uh, she's written some great articles and she quite often talks about just get it out because that perfectionist crazy thing inside you will just want to make fully formed, lovely, articulate sentence story. No, no, no. Your first edit, just get it out. That's what I had to do. Exactly. You know, you just, you can't sit there and and go back and analyze and reanalyze and, you know, go back over it. You just got to get it done and then, you know, get it out there and have somebody look at it and, and move forward with it. So, exactly. well, I wish you all the, the best of success with uh, the novel. Uh, sounds fascinating. And I can't wait uh, for you to get it published. Um, we're getting a little bit close here to wrapping up. Um, I have a few other things I'd love to just kind of dive right into. It'll it's be a flown kind by, of a, hasn't it? I can't believe yeah, it's gone by I so know, quickly. I know. Um, but we'll just kind of do a rapid fire here of a few things, but one of the things that was interesting in your bio is that you have spent um, time or at least you've visited five continents. Which of those continents is one of your more favorite continents or places on the earth? Oh, that's a fun question. Again, probably the two that I've not explored as much. So um, in South America, I went to Brazil. I was in Rio for the world cup. So there was a lot of uh, soccer that I was watching Ooh. and not much else to explore there, but it was just, um, oh, the whole vibe. And uh, yeah, I, I want to go back to South America for sure. Cape Town and Safari in South Africa was also incredible. And then I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've been quite spoiled when it comes to travel. I'm, I'm really fortunate in that um, from a young age, like my parents, we used to go away kind of on summer vacation. and um, they gave me and my brother the sort of treats which they didn't experience when they were growing up. So we've done lots of Europe. I've been to the States four times. Yeah, lots left to explore. And as, as you know, I've not been further east than India. And so I, there's a lot of Asia and uh, New Zealand is on my list. Uh, so, yeah, I've seen a lot, but I want to see more. Well, you're you're quite the... I was going to say you're quite the world traveler, but once you have seen a lot, you still want to see more. Yeah. Oh, and there's something about, again, like going away and recharging and just, um, yeah, like mixing up the environment and, and you know, talking to new people and uh, new cultures and all that stuff. Yeah. Nature. Oh, I love all of it. Me too. Um, I hear you. Do you um, have a favorite pastime? Oh, a favorite pastime. Um, aside from the stuff we've talked about with writing, you mean? And- yeah. Uh, I think writing aside, I love, um, uh, playing and watching kind of sport, uh, or just like moving in general. So like I do yoga and I, I go to the gym and I love, um, individual sports like tennis, um, boxing and mixed martial arts. Weirdly, as a really highly sensitive kid who used to like not be able to watch boxing, I, um, 
And I've, I've been asking myself this recently. Again, I think it's the sheer adrenaline and the feeling of um, the combat that I really get into. But yeah, sport. I love I love playing and watching sport. Great. Well, Jazz, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so enlightening, and um, I just want to wish you all the best of success. And, you know, at some point in the future, I'd love to bring you back and uh, see where you're at, um, especially after you've published that book and you continue to work on um, the blog and the many other blogs and whatever uh, new interests that you're exploring um, will be great to, to hear about. Oh, it, it's it's been a real pleasure, um, Carol. Not least because um, you know we're friends in real life, so this yes. has been this has been amazing. And uh, I'd love to come back, and hopefully, a will have completed that book because I've made myself accountable to you and countless other people. And b, hopefully, at least some of what I'm doing right now, I'll still be doing, and I won't have completely, you know, uh, uh, given up everything I'm doing right now and started new stuff. But um, no doubt life twists and turns. So, uh, yeah, that would be fun to see where I'm at uh, further down the line for sure. It does. Well, thanks so much. Stay with us just a bit longer before you go. We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your own inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. Just a few things before we go, we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes because those reviews are so important to our show. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. And finally, let us know what tips and strategies you use to rise up to your highest self by reaching out to us at www.heartsriseup.com or email us at hello at heartsriseup.com. Well, that's it for now. Until next time, keep rising up and may love and happiness always be in your heart. Bye for now. <music>